Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Draft Film Room, an NFL Draft podcast. I'm your host, Jacob. You can find me on uh, Twitter at Roachism13, or you can email the show, uh, draftfilmroomnfl at gmail.com, if you want to interact with the show. Uh, episode three, uh, hope you guys are all doing well out there and appreciate you. Um, numbers kind of climbing on from episode one to episode two. So I'm really excited um, to continue to do these, but building a little bit of a fan base has been really fun. So I appreciate you guys tuning in tonight. So tonight I got a special guest. He's the lead NFL draft and fantasy analyst with Roto Baller, uh, Kyle Lindemann. How you doing, man? Dude, I'm doing good. This is like my favorite time of the season right here. It's like the holidays. We got some snow. I know people might have mixed feelings on that, but I kind of like it this time of year. Um, Plenty of NFL action. We've got bowl games. We've got the fantasy football playoffs. So I'm loving it. Yeah, um, I'm with you. Uh, it might be controversial, but I do love snow this time of year. I'm with you 100% on that. Um, it, it was actually kind of funny because a couple of days ago when I was at work, I said, man, I really want some snow. And then the, the very next day, it just it pounded us with snow down here. And it, it wasn't too bad. It didn't stick very well. But it was just – I just thought that that was kind of funny. So we're going to jump into uh, edge rushers and do our positional rankings. I've been going one through five, and then I realized it's kind of weird. So we'll go five to one. (laughs) I was like starting with the top on the last couple. And uh, I don't know why I thought that was a good idea, but I did it that way. So Kyle, I'll let you start, man. Uh, Hit me with number five. So number five, I got Braylon Trice from Washington. Now, you know, it's kind of a little bit of mixed feelings on him. He's definitely more of a true, you know, I, I don't like to use the term defensive end anymore. It's really kind of edge. Um, you know, as, as defenses kind of evolve in terminology and scheme, but he really kind of is a traditional four, three in the, you know, kind of an end in a four, three defense. He only has six sacks on the year, but this guy's got 70 total pressures. He's actually leading. I believe he leads all of college football in pressures. So I think sometimes, you know, we get caught up in the stats and we're like, oh, this guy only had six sacks. He's not any good. You know, NFL teams, front offices, GMs. Yeah, sure. The sacks are nice. Everybody loves the sacks. But at the end of the day, it's the pressure that matters. It's, hey, can this is this guy getting through? Is he disrupting the play? Is he throwing off the timing of the quarterback? So I've got Braylon Trice. You know, I've kind of got some mixed reviews on him. Some people saying he's around one. Maybe some people saying he's not around one guy. I, you know, look at it, I think he could go in the back of, of round one, at least based off now. I think we always kind of have to adjust a little bit for inflation because NFL teams prioritize a few certain premium positions above the rest, you know, quarterback, receiver, offensive tackle, pass rusher, corner. I think pretty clear front offices kind of prioritize those. So even if he might be a round two guy, still a good chance he's going to go in round one. 
It's like when you talk about some wide receiver prospects and you come up with the guy that runs a four three, he's going to get bumped up that that chart just where NFL where they just um, what uh, value speed more over than a lot of other things. Sometimes those guys just get elevated. I'm with you. I actually had him outside of the top five. I actually had him at six. Um, this is the hardest thing that this was the hardest one for me to figure out where I placed him. Like um, it, it, I don't know what it is. He, his power when he plays with proper leverage and, and, and his hands placements and things, the, the, very sturdy, strong lower half to really power through some some bull rushes and through some offensive tackles. And uh, I think that can contribute right away. I think, you know, with some of these guys, and I know the guy I'm going to talk about in a couple of players, a couple spots from here, you're basing that off of, he doesn't have a ton of production. He doesn't have the ton of production. You're basing that off the upside. But I think Braylon Trice has got one of the l- highest floors at this position, too, because I think he feels very comfortable to me as a prospect. Yeah. Just like I know he he might not be a superstar, but I also know he's not going to be bad. And that's kind of where I am uh, with Braylon Trice. Um, yeah, I mean, I look at it like Felix uh... – yeah. Yeah. He, you know, he went obviously pick 31 to the Chiefs. And I don't think any of us, like my mock draft, I turned in, I had him going like middle to end of round two. And he snuck into round one because the Chiefs just felt like they needed a pass rusher. So mm-hmm. that pick surprised. So, I mean, I kind of look at Braylon Trice the same way. Not in terms of similar player, just, you know, plays a premium position. Like, I think Trice is probably better than Joe Tryon Shoyinka. You know, mm-hmm. the Buck first round pick two years ago from Washington, he went in the first round. So, yeah, he's, he's definitely better. Than, and not that Tryon's not bad. He's just that he that guy was just a clear project. Yeah. Yeah. You were, you, you, you took a guy at a pick that's usually not a project that was. Right. And then I think he, I think he gets judged for that, which right. is. It is what it is. You know, you know how it goes. So for me, for number five, I actually had uh, a JT two. Oh, good. Let's see if I can do it. You ready? Um, Tui Molau. Is that right? Yeah. Hey, how about that? That's probably the first time. Uh, something like it's like Tui Molau, I believe. Yeah. It's yeah. It's like I'm not, and I'm an Ohio State guy. So like the fact that I don't know how to say it's a little, it's a little embarrassing. I, I think he's got a really nice first step. I think I think he gets off the line really quickly, gets himself into the position. He's ready with whatever his pass rush plan is. Quick into getting in there. Quick with the hand placement. If he's going to go in, going to go out, whatever he's going to do. I think he's got a really good footwork uh, that can be missed. I think um, – <clears throat> what's the word? Um, yeah, I mean, I love I love his motor. I love his motor yes. because, I mean, even think about that pick six he had last year that, like, he jumped up in the air, like, batted the ball to himself. I mean, yeah. I think he, the question for him is going to be more like, what is this guy's position? Is he more of an outside linebacker that is going to rush the passer, or is he kind of a traditional defensive end? He's probably more of the first. Yes. Yeah, and I think I think there's a couple other guys in this class that falls in that as well. I mean, I just 
that's one of the top things I put here in my notes was high motor, high IQ player. Like he understands what needs to happen. Rather he can make it happen or not. Uh, Cause yeah. I think, I think he's kind of a, not a, I think he's really stiff as an athlete. Like I think his hips are kind of stiff and tight. He doesn't bend super well compared to some of the other prospects in the, in this class, but I don't love him as a defensive end, but yeah, I mean, he had a little bit of a down year, I think compared to last year, but I do like the player. He's definitely got a very high motor. So, I mean, again, he's someone that he definitely could be in the round one conversation. I had him in round one going at the end to the Ravens. That guy just feels like a, that just feels like a Ravens pick to me. Like, Hey, like we we don't, this isn't necessarily an area of need, but we're going to draft a guy that like plays like a Raven and just like, yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah. It, it's just like when I fell in love with Travis Jones and I was like, he's going to go to Baltimore, isn't he? And then he went to Baltimore and I was like, fantastic for yeah, me, the Browns fan. <laughs> it's like every time. All right, man. Well, uh, what do you got? Number four. Number four, I got Chop Robinson. And with him, he's got a ton of upside, ton of potential. I think this guy's going to be a freak at the combine. I think he's going to jump out of the gym, you know, for the viewers important to remember, you know, when the combine rolls around, don't necessarily get caught up in the 40 time, 40 time matters, but you know, for defensive linemen, teams are more worried about the 10 yard split. Like how quick can you get off the, get off the line? Like watch miles Garrett on Sunday. And it's like, man, he's just got such a quick first step that he's, it's, he's just so good. I mean, obviously Miles Garrett's in a league of his own, so we're not going to, you know, say that, you know, there's 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 definitely not a Miles Garrett in this in this draft class, but this edge edge group is very good. I don't know if we have we don't have like a Miles Garrett, but I think we have like four or five really good players. So a chop, it's like he only had three sacks on the year, you know, eighteen hurries, twenty six total pressures, but he did have a ninety two pass rush grade from PFF, which I thought was really interesting, which actually made him. Looks like I'm looking at it right here. Yeah, he was pretty much like the third highest and actually second highest because the guy they had second didn't play enough to really qualify. But for if you played a minimum of 20% of the pass rush snaps, they've actually got chop rated as second highest. So, again, he's a guy maybe not necessarily going to show up on the stat sheet, but you watch him play and it's just like, man, this guy has so much upside. So that's kind of where I'm at with them. Yeah, Chop's number four for me as well. Um, I I almost put him higher, but I just thought that the guys I have above him have a little bit more of a proven track record. So I just kind of went with that. One thing that really jumped off the tape for, for me was I feel like Chop Robinson caused Michigan to run 30 straight plays to end that game. They did. He was – he – was not getting home necessarily, but every time JJ McCarthy dropped back to pass, Chop Robinson was terrorizing him. And and I mean, like you said, he played in forty career college games, only eleven and a half sacks. I get that, but he is so he might be be one of the more twitchy players in this draft as well, especially mm-hmm. at his position. It's just right. like okay. He's got all of this upside. I've seen him actually do it against a good team in Michigan. Yeah. I don't think he'll do it. He might not be much of a factor year one, but I I really like him. I really like him. So it's fair. 
All right, man, we're up to number three. What you got? Um, number three, I've got Dallas Turner, and he's probably more of a you know outside linebacker in a three-four that's going to rush the passer, kind of you know a little bit in the similar mold of Will Anderson, maybe not as big. I think Will Anderson was two fifty. Dallas Turner's about 240, but who knows what these guys will test at the combine. Now he's really impressed me this year. He's got, he does have 10 sacks sometimes with Alabama and especially with Georgia. And I, I tried explaining this to people last year because people were like, I don't understand how Nolan Smith is the number one pick. He doesn't have any production. Yeah. Georgia, a little bit more than Alabama, but both of these teams rotate their defensive lines so much throughout the game because they're so deep. They're, they they want to have fresh guys out there. And kind of the way their scheme goes, if even if you're on the edge, you're not necessarily always pass rushing because of the way that Nick Saban likes to mix everything up. So with Georgia and Alabama guys, not that I'm giving them a pass, but I'm not as going to be as focused on the stat sheet. So the fact that Dallas Turner's got 52 total pressures, 10 sacks this year, yeah. I think he really, really, you know, took a step up like, you know, Last year, I'm looking at he played 312 pass rush snaps, five sacks, 37 total pressures. This year, 277 pass rush snaps. He's got 52 total pressures and 10 sacks. So this guy like doubled his production and he got less pass rush snaps this year. So I think that tells me a lot. Like, And he's been really good this year for Alabama. Yeah. For sure. He's number three for me, man. He's, <laughs> we're going, I think I'm interested to see if we got one, two as well, but we'll, we'll get there in a second. But uh, yeah, one thing that I love that I saw with Dallas Turner, they dropped him into coverage a lot and he was not bad yeah. at it. <laughs> like, right. like they dropped him back there. It's like, oh, hey, you know, like I'm not going to drop my edge rusher back into coverage a ton, but like he's kind of of that same build where he's a little undersized. I think he could add a little bit of size here and there. I think he's got the frame to add the size, like if he wanted to, but I mean, you know, he's, he's explosive off the line of scrimmage. Uh, I feel like he wins both ways. And, and, and anytime you get someone who, you know, can, can win with speed and, and, and power, it's, you feel a lot better about it, but yeah, he feels really, really safe too. But uh, I do think he's been near yeah. enough on the edge that he's got some upside. Yeah, for sure. All right, number two. Are we gonna go? Are we gonna go the two for two? Let's see what we got. I've got. I want to pronounce his name correctly. Laitu Latu. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got him too. A lot of people have him one. I mean, this guy was a force this year. Um, just unbelievable. I think my only concern is. And, you know, this is important for the viewers. Remember, this is a guy who medically retired from football in 2020. He was at Washington and, you know, he had some serious medical issues that involved numbness in his neck. And there was five medical doctors at Washington who couldn't medically clear him to play. So this guy retired and, you know, spent a year away from football. And then he ended up enrolling at UCLA. Their doctors ended up clearing him. Now, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a medical expert. but you know, it's something I want to know. I want to know. Our team's going to be worried about this guy's medical, you know, medicals as we get to the combine. Obviously, you watch him play. You know, he's got the size. You know, he's about 6'5", 265. And, and, and that's unofficial, mind you. We'll have to see what these guys weigh in at the combine. I feel like he, he will do really well at the combine. 
Um, I love his motor. I just love the intensity that he plays with. I think he's got to maybe get a little bit more polish in his bag in terms of getting, getting a little bit more pass rush moves. But I love this guy, and I just think, hey, like I said, I'm not a doctor, but, you know, is are those medicals going to be an issue? Maybe they're not an issue and we won't hear about it, but I just think it's something we should all be mindful of. It's a neck injury. Like you don't mess with neck injuries. <laughs> like right. you can't, you got to take it seriously. He's actually number one for me. Okay. Um, and I did battle it a lot because of the neck injury. Like hundred percent. Right. I understand that. It's like, okay, what do you, you know, 21 and a half, tackles for loss this year uh yeah. 20 34 overall 23 and a half sacks in the last two years man you're i'm you're spot on with the motor like i yeah. if you want to see Love what Matu brings to the to the table go watch him against um go watch him chase caleb williams around this year at usc right. he reminds me it, it reminded me of the game where uh miles garrett and davian Clowney on monday night were chasing lamar jackson around and then yeah Clowney got so pissed off he threw a shoe and got a penalty like latu was chasing caleb around yeah. forever and he finally got home in like the third or fourth quarter and it was crazy but when you watch it he just he can win with power he can win with speed and it's just like if i've got a guy that will chase caleb williams around all day that's that's exactly what you need. So I think sometimes his gap discipline struggles in the run game, yeah. trying to stay where he's supposed to be. But he's an uberly talented player, and uh, I just think NFL teams will know the medicals better than than you and I yeah. and everybody listen ever will. So if they sure. good, they're good. But uh, Latu's number one for me. So okay, yeah, and I, I think a lot of people, you know kind of going to be where we're where we're going you know we're going to settle with that but yeah all right I, I assume I assume you got Jared verse number one yeah and I just love Jared verse like he had that one play I think it was in the ACC championship where he absolutely just bull rushed the left tackle literally just knocked this guy back and he knocked him back so hard the left tackle just falls fall crashes into the quarterback and like yeah Verse just took him both down. Like, I just – I love the way this guy plays. I think he would have been – he would have gone in the top 15 picks last year. A little bit older. He's 23. But, yep. you know, he came from Albany, played two years at Albany before transferring to Florida State. You know, and he, he was a big reason why this team went 13-0. and 0. So, yep. you know, I do feel bad for the Florida State fans and everything that happened to Jordan Travis. Like, no doubt with their quarterback healthy – Maybe they could have won it all. I mean, it does kind of suck to see them get left out of the BCS, but is what it is. I just – I really like Verse, and I feel like he's – excuse me, I think he's got the most tools in his bag as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, th there's a really defined pass rush plan from Jared Verse. Like, he, he understands what he's going to do, how he can attack, in what ways – in every matchup, yeah. he seems to go out there just fully planned. Yeah, he, he absolutely does. Uh, and it, it's another motor guy, man. Like, I, I just yeah. – he's going to go for the entire play until the whistle blows, and then he might go a little bit longer. And and I just think he's got the best hands of the in this class, I think, his hand usage and leverage that he plays with. Yeah. is probably one of the things that really stick probably out. Probably fair. And it's just like, who doesn't love a dude that goes and – is a success story. He goes to junior college, 
because didn't he have to walk on at Albany? Like, I, I don't even think he was a scholarship player. He had to walk on. Sure. At, I heard, I think I heard that somewhere. And, and, and it, so that was kind of, some people were saying, well, maybe this is why it took it so long. Like, why did it, why did it take so long to click for Jared verse? And it's just like, who cares why it took so long? Go right. watch the tape. He can do it now. So who cares? So he's firmly in number yeah. two. But, you know, I think people, you know, I think people definitely overlook that. Like, oh, why did it take this guy so long? I think I'm, I'm more look at it like that for like I was I used that argument against Kenny Pickett when he came out in 2022 because I was just like, this guy's been in college forever. Yeah. Like, you know, he didn't do anything in versus case. I just think it's, you know, obviously we're it's a different comparison, but um, he's gotten better every year. And yeah, he has. You know, it's it's easy to see this guy's upside. I feel like he's another guy that's going to jump out of the gym at the combine. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I could, I really could see six edge rushers go in the first round. Of, you know, even kind of listening to Dane Brugler and, um, you know, he's actually, um, I don't, he's not a Cleveland guy. He's like a Youngstown guy, but I live on the east side. He actually doesn't live that far from me. He only probably lives. I don't know. I don't know exactly where he lives, but he only lives like 30, 45 minutes away from me. And I was hopefully I can get him to uh, meet up with me sometime soon talk some draft stuff. We'll see. He'll probably be busy, but maybe in the summer. That would be, that'd probably be badass. Like that would be yeah. really awesome to get to do, man. I, I, I hope you, I hope you get to do it. Uh, yeah, man, I'm with you. Yeah. I think all, all six of these guys that were mentioned um, and, uh, I think there's a couple of other guys that we didn't even talk about that could kind of sneak in yeah. around there. Like it's very interesting. I don't know. This is very an interesting class. I'm still working my way through it. Um, I'm yeah. only about seven or eight really deep in it. So I'm not totally there. Um, all right, man. Well, um, any final thoughts on the, on the, on the, uh, the edge class overall? Um, it's definitely, a strong position group. I think this draft, you know, pretty, I think we're going to be pretty top heavy at QB, at least three QBs. I think we'll go in the top 10. Um, going to depend on what Quinn Ewers and JJ McCarthy decide to do. Yep. I think it's pretty much a given. Shadur Sanders is going to go back to school. Carson Beck going back to school. I'm kind of torn on Bo Nix and Penix. I, I don't necessarily see them as round one guys, but that could change. Running back is very thin. Wide receiver is deep. Tight end is thin. We got Brock Bowers, not much else. Pretty deep tackle class. I'm not against the guards in the centers, but I just really don't see anybody going in round one. Very deep at edge. Defensive tackle, linebacker, safety. This is a kind of a thin class, but it's pretty pretty deep at corner. I really like the corner. So just kind of going through those positions, you know, kind of terms of supply and demand. Most scouts kind of say on average, every team has 20 first round grades. So, you know, let's say, you know, let's say you're picking 23 and everybody you have a first round grade on is gone and you can't trade back. Well, then you might have to take a guy that's a round two talent and probably more likely in that case, if you're going to, if you're forced to reach at a position, you kind of want it to be at a premium position because, and this is important for people to understand that not only do you have to draft a good player in the early rounds who can contribute. You want to think in terms of, Hey, how much value can we get out of this pick on the salary cap for the next four to five years? So it's like, you know, quarterback, you know, left tackle edge rushers. Like those are the three, you know, even wide receiver to a degree, 
But, you know, those three positions are like the highest paid in the league. So, you know, you can even understand from Kansas City's case last year, even though he hasn't really done a whole lot uh, with Felix. I'm not going to try to pronounce his name again, but I should know this. Um, you know, so, hey, we're going to reach on a guy. All the, all the round one grade guys are gone. Let's take an edge rusher because if this guy's good, even if this guy's halfway good, then, you know, think about what free – I mean, it's very rare that a dominant edge rusher hits free agency. I mean, look at the Bears. They had to give up a second-round pick just to get Montez Sweat. Montez Sweat's very good, but then they had to pay him too. So it's like yeah. it's hard, hard for those guys to hit free agency, and if you trade for one of those guys, you're giving up multiple, multiple picks. So – if you can roll the dice and, you know, you get in guys that even necessarily have to be a pro bowler, but just someone that can contribute, that's definitely a nice advantage on the cap. Yeah. And I mean, it, 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 yeah. you see the Browns do it a lot. Like they continue to use wherever the Browns are picking with Andrew Barry, they continue to use top picks on mm -hmm. premium positions. I mean, he's drafted a corner, you know, and what now three straight drafts and, yeah. and for two and in back-to-back years, his top pick was, was a corner and, and the Browns have had some corner injured injuries this year. Yeah. And because of that, they've been okay because of drafting in the premium positions. I mean, it's just exactly what you said. So uh, it, yeah, it's interesting. You really need at least six corners on a roster these days, possibly seven, depending on if a guy's more of a hybrid nickel, you know, safety guy. So, yeah, you're going to have to. I mean, look at the Browns using their fifth round pick this year on a corner who's played significant minutes mm -hmm. in significant games. So, I yeah, mean, you know, sure. I really appreciate you taking your time out of, out of your busy schedule to sit down and talk about some some uh, defensive ta defensive tackles. That's what I'm doing next week. Edge yeah. rushers. So before before we hop off, man, just tell everybody where they can find all your stuff. Yeah, find me uh, Luck is Made FF on Twitter. I got my my link on there to kind of all my work. That's probably the best place to find me. You can just Google Luck is Made FF. You know, I'm pretty much doing a mock draft. I'm, I'm going to have my updated mock draft come out as soon as the regular season's over. That way then at least the first like 16 or 18 picks of the draft will be kind of ironclad. Yeah. So I'm excited, man. This draft is going to be so exciting, but this is definitely more of an offensive draft than a defensive draft. I was – Joking with someone today, I was like, man, looking at the Patriots, they should just draft offense with every pick. <laughs> so it's it's going to be exciting. I really, really like this draft class. Um, you know, like I said, maybe not going to be as deep on the defensive side except for edge and corner, but there's always people that, that surprise us, right? So I don't want to try to think too hard about it. Like, Yeah, I told you before the show, I said I've become – uh, addicted to doing other teams' mock drafts. I, I just published um, a seven-round Houston Texans mock draft today. On oh, uh, it's it's over. It's up on with the first uh, over on. Okay, the I'll check it out. Yeah, with the, with the first pick, uh, and uh, I'm going to be hitting the Atlanta Falcons next. Okay, I, I got to quarterback. Say, maybe they need it. Oh, I got a quarterback wide receiver duo for them at, at round one and two that. Okay. I'm thinking uh, maybe quarterback edge rusher for them. We'll see. I just like I just thought getting him with Drake May or not Drake May, Drake London already there and, and, and those sorts of things. I, I just 
I thought a speedy guy with Jaden Daniels. Anyway, um, that's where I lean on that. So, guys, thank you for uh, checking the show out. A couple episodes in, been having a really uh, good time doing these. So I will be back next week. Uh, Ryan Roberts will join the show, and we will go over our top defensive tackles. So see you guys next time.